Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. On this Easter Sunday, uh, what is a real celebration day uh, for all of us as Christians across the whole earth. Uh, there are Christians who are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, I think it's important to recognize we live in the reality of the life of Jesus every day. We believe that every day we are able to have a living, dynamic, real relationship with God. That he speaks to us, he empowers us, he leads us. And I was just reflecting uh, afresh over the last couple of weeks on the call that Nikki and I felt to come to this country. And remembering how I had that moment in South Africa as I was having a prayer time and heard, I believe, the audible voice of God to say, this is the time to now come. And then went into a prayer meeting about an hour later, had someone prophetically speak into my life almost identically what I had heard audibly as God had spoken. And I know that not everybody has experiences like that, and that's the only time that I've had that particular kind of experience. But I know right across the church from speaking to you about the way you are connecting with God in prayer, the way God is speaking to you through the scriptures, through prayer times, through worship, in visions and in dreams, God is a God who is speaking to us as his people, as his church. He's a God that we can have a real relationship with because he is the living God. And yet this is the day that we celebrate Jesus did rise from the grave. He defeated death and he made eternal life possible. He says uh, this in John chapter 11. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? <laughs> and, and this is the question, isn't it? This is the whole crux of the Christian faith, that we believe Jesus came to earth as a man, lived a perfect life, died for us, but it didn't just end there. There have been many people in history who have sacrificed their lives for other people, but only one who gave their life and then conquered the death that they had surrendered their lives to. And so this is a massive claim that Jesus is the resurrection, that Jesus is the life, that if we believe in him, we will also experience eternal resurrection. There have actually been other people that we read about in the Bible that have been raised from the dead. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And yet there's something unique about Jesus. Lazarus would have died again. Everyone else in the scripture who was raised to life died again. But Jesus was raised never to die again. He was raised to eternal life. And the, the promises for us that put our faith and hope in him, that we too would be raised to life eternal with him. How, what, what proof is there that this claim of Jesus is true that if we believe in him, we will have eternal life. If we believe in him, we will escape the judgment that he said was coming on all people. 
Well, we find that the proof is in the resurrection. And as we look at the resurrection, there are four primary sort of strains of proof that we can look at. And it would be lovely to have the time to unpack all of them in detail. But don't worry, I'm not going to do that this morning. I've taken a clip from the Alpha series that some of you will have seen over the last couple of weeks. And it's just two minutes that touches, just briefly touches on these four lines of proof for the resurrection of Jesus. So perhaps if we can turn the lights off again and I'll cue this short video. There are four pieces of evidence for the resurrection. The first is his absence from the tomb. No one has ever satisfactorily explained how Jesus' body was absent from the tomb that first Easter day. People have come up with all kinds of explanations. For example, maybe the authorities stole the body. Well, in that case, why didn't they produce it when people started saying that he'd risen from the dead? Or perhaps the robbers stole the body. But when the disciples heard that Jesus had, had been seen, they ran to the tomb and they found that the tomb was not empty. Inside the tomb were the grave clothes that Jesus had been wrapped in. The only valuable thing that a robber might have taken was still there. The grave clothes had collapsed like a caterpillar's cocoon when a butterfly has emerged and the piece that had been around Jesus' head had been folded up and put in a different place. And when they saw that, they believed. The second was his presence with the disciples. Jesus was seen on more than 11 occasions, on one occasion by a group of around 500 people. People say, well, it could have been a hallucination. Well, hallucination does happen among highly strong, very nervous or highly imaginative people, or people who are sick or are on drugs but the disciples don't fit any of those categories. They were cynics like Thomas. There were tough fishermen, there were tax collectors, and tax collectors do not hallucinate. The third piece of evidence is the transformation that we see in the disciples. Here was a group of people who were disillusioned, despairing that their leader had died, and then suddenly they were transformed. They started saying, we've seen Jesus, he's really alive. And they went around telling everybody. Later on, practically all of them were killed, crucified, tortured, beheaded because of what they believed. And if they were deceiving people, all they had to do was say, no, 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 it's not actually true. But they never said that because they knew it was true. It had totally transformed their lives. And as a result, this extraordinary movement swept around the whole known world. And it's a movement without precedent in the history of humanity. And fourth, it's still happening today. There are now over 2.3 billion Christians around the world of every ethnicity, continent, nationality, economic, social and intellectual background. They all speak of this encounter with the risen Jesus Christ. Great, maybe you can just pop the lights back on, that's great. Well, let's have a read together from the biblical account from John, one of the disciples of Jesus, of this time when Jesus was raised from the dead. So if you have Bibles with you or you want to open it on your phone or something like that, we're in John chapter 20 and going to read from verse 1 uh, and then we'll read a couple of those verses together, but it will be up on the screen for those of you that need it. Okay, here we go. John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. 
So she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciples, the one Jesus loved. That's John, by the way. If you're reading in the Gospel of John, he refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. Okay, So comes to Simon and comes to John and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So her first response is, Oh no, somebody has stolen him. Okay, we go to verse 3. So Peter and the other disciple, John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, that's John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So not sure why this needs to be included, but we somehow needed to know that John was faster than Peter. Okay, so, so in, throughout all history, we now know that, uh, that John was the faster runner. Um, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then after a while, we see Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw that the strips of linen uh, were lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, in case we forgot, uh, also went inside. He saw and believed. But they still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Verse 10. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Just jump on a little bit if you in your own Bibles to verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After this, He showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That was a a symbol of what was to take place later on at Pentecost that we will celebrate relatively soon. So what is some of the significance of the resurrection? What are some of the things that are important about this that that we need to take from this? Well, first of all, if the resurrection is true and the evidence is unbelievable that it is true, that Jesus did rise from the grave, that he did conquer death, if that did happen, well, the resurrection then proves Jesus' claim to be God. Jesus claimed to be God, and the resurrection is a proof that he is who he claimed to be. The resurrection also proves the teachings of Jesus to be true. Jesus taught that he would die and rise again. And that's not something that's easy to pull off. Okay? Uh, we can say many things. People say that talk is cheap. And yet we see here that Jesus teaches and teaches and teaches and then actually does what he said he was going to do. And so we believe that the resurrection of Jesus, it proves that he was who he claimed to be. It also proves his teaching to be true. It proves the teaching about hell. It proves the teaching about judgment. It proves the teaching about sin. It proves the teaching about our need for God to be true. It also proves the teaching about grace and about God's love and about a way now being made open for us to find forgiveness and salvation in Christ to be true. That we can have life with him both now and forever. 
the resurrection proves that we have a legitimate hope for eternal life. It's true that knowing God in this world is great. We get to have a relationship with him. We get to experience his love and his goodness. We often talk about this promise that we will know the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's one of the promises. It's we believe always better to know God in this life. But having a relationship with God is far bigger than having only this life to live with him. In fact, in Corinthians, it says, if we are to live as Christians only for this life, well, then we're actually to be pitied among all people because our primary hope is the hope that goes beyond our grave. Many of the people of the early church lived under intense persecution for their faith. And their hope was God is the God who conquered death. And as we put our faith and our hope and trust in him, we have a hope that goes beyond the grave. So that even if we suffer in this world, and many of you have, and some of you are, sometimes this life can be tragically, tragically difficult. And yet the hope is that we have a promise from the Savior who has conquered death, that if we put our faith and our hope and our trust in him, we will be with him forever. I'm not sure if some of you, I wish I had a rope. I would have done this illustration. But Francis Chan does this illustration where he has a huge rope uh, over here and he sort of pulls it up and there's a little piece taped on it. And he says, let this little piece of tape on the rope represent for you the time that you are alive on the earth. And what you do in this time on the earth, and then he starts to pull the rope through, affects everything that goes forward from here into eternity. It's so hard for us to even conceptualize a thousand years of life. Imagine you were here today and you knew you were going to live for a thousand years. Some of you might be thinking, oh, I hope not in this body. <laughs> okay, I already have pain and aches and you wake up tired and you feel like, oh, I don't know if this body could not last forever. But the promise of Jesus is this body is like a seed. It's going to get planted in the ground and it's going to be raised glorious. What is weak now will be raised powerful enough to live forever with God. That is our hope. And so Jesus says to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus established for us the pattern of how we're meant to live and how we're able to live. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, our lives can now be characterized by the same intimacy with the Father that Jesus had with the Father. Jesus says, in the same way that I was sent by the Father into the world... I'm now sending you with the same provision and with the same access to me so that the model of Jesus' life can become the model of ours, that we would know intimacy with God as Jesus knew intimacy with his Father, that we would know purpose in this world just as Jesus lived with purpose 
in this world. And that is the wonderful message of Easter. That our lives transcend this life. Our lives are able to be characterized by intimacy with God. That we can know the goodness of God in the land of the living. And when we have trial and tragedy and difficulty, we know that ultimately God's hope and plan and purpose for us goes far beyond the years that we will have on this earth and stretches to eternity with him. Can we pray together? I love to give an opportunity for anyone who's perhaps never had that, that moment where they've said, Jesus, I, I choose to believe in this promise. I choose to put my trust and my hope and my faith in you. I recognize that I have made mistakes. And not just mistakes, but I've offended God and I've hurt and wounded others. That I need forgiveness and I accept yours. And I choose to put my faith and hope and trust in you. And I pray that you would come into my life. That I could know the goodness of God now and the blessing of God forever. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.